This is Kansas City Today. I'm Lisa Rodriguez in for Nomeen Ujiyadeen. Today is Friday, October 29th. Coming up, Daryl Chamberlain's vision for a better Kansas City had him scouring pawn shops for secondhand band instruments since at least 2007. There's probably about 15 trumpets, uh, 15 clarinets, Alto saxes, I don't know, maybe 10. We'll find out what he's doing with all those instruments. Plus, eight members of a Kansas City, Kansas-based cult have been indicted by the federal government over allegations of forced labor and abuse of children. More on that story coming up. But first, some headlines. Missouri Governor Mike Parson has issued an executive order blocking the enforcement of federal vaccine mandates. KCUR's Frank Morris has details. The order bans any agency, board, or commission within the executive branch of state government from requiring a COVID-19 vaccine or from penalizing individuals who do not receive a vaccine. In the release, Parson said that as soon as the Biden administration announced plans for a vaccine mandate, his office started rounding up state resources for legal action, saying his office will use, quote, every tool we have available to fight this federal intrusion, unquote. Parson went on to encourage people to get vaccinated. A federal judge has approved a nearly $2 million settlement to resolve claims by servers at Jose Pepper's restaurant that they were denied minimum wage and overtime and were required to work before clocking in. In July 2020, a server in the Jose Pepper's restaurant in Belton, Missouri, sued the popular chain on behalf of herself and other servers, alleging Jose Pepper's had violated federal and state labor laws. Terms of the settlement call for the plaintiff's attorneys to get a third of the money, leaving just over a million dollars for eligible servers. Court documents say the average payment per server will come to about $568. Kansas City leaders are gearing up to shelter hundreds of people experiencing homelessness as winter rapidly approaches. A task force presented permanent and temporary housing solutions to the Kansas City Council yesterday. Last year, freezing temperatures prompted the city to open a temporary warming shelter at Bartle Hall. Councilwoman Raina Parks-Shaw said this year they're focused on collaborating more with existing shelters instead of building a new one. We found that we could be more effective if we provide additional support to those agencies who are already providing the service and have the expertise and skill to be able to do that. The city plans to launch an online dashboard that will note bed availability at all the area's shelters every day. This week, KCUR reported that a federal grand jury indicted eight members of a Kansas City, Kansas-based cult. The charges detail a long list of abuses of kids as young as eight years old and include allegations of forced labor, among other things. Dan Margulies broke this story for us and has been reporting on this sect for years. He's here with me now. Hi, Dan. Hi, Lisa. So first, Dan, tell me a little bit about this cult, which has gone by several names in the past, but is primarily known as the United Nation of Islam. Right. So it was founded by a truck driver named Royal Jenkins some four decades ago. And at some point, he moved its headquarters to Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, Jenkins proclaimed he'd been abducted by angels who transported him through the galaxy in a spaceship and instructed him on how to rule the Earth. He proclaimed himself to be Allah incarnate. 
Over the years, he amassed several hundred followers, and they opened a variety of businesses around the United States, including a KCK, uh, restaurants, bakeries, a gas station, a clothing store. One of the places they opened actually was a restaurant right across the street from the Robert J. Dole Federal Courthouse in Kansas City, Kansas. Interestingly enough, that is the same courthouse, Lisa, where a federal judge more than three years ago assessed an nearly $8 million damage award against Jenkins and the United Nation of Islam for trafficking a young girl from business to business and forcing her to work without pay. Very similar to the allegations in the criminal indictment that was handed up last week. And I, I want to ask you about uh, more about the details of that indictment. But first, I want to make clear that despite the name, this cult has little to no resemblance to the religion of Islam. That is correct. So eight members of this cult were indicted last week on charges of forced labor. What can you tell us about that indictment? So a federal grand jury in KCK returned the indictment on October 20th, but it was sealed until the defendants were arrested on October 25th. Uh, these defendants live uh, in Maryland and Georgia and other places around the country. These eight members, Lisa, are charged with forcing minors, some as young as eight years old, to perform compulsory labor charges that carry up to 20 years in prison. Uh, the cult operated businesses, as I said, around the United States, and they're accused of shuttling these kids from business to business and forcing them to work under extremely horrific conditions, unconscionable hours without, as I said, any pay. So the indictment lays out a litany of horrific, rather horrific abuses that the defendants allegedly have inflicted on these minors, including beating them for alleged infractions of cult rules, withholding food, withholding medical treatment, placing them in crowded living conditions, psychologically manipulating them, uh, imposing dietary restrictions that limited what they could eat, and isolating them from members of their own families and people who were not members of the cult. And these, of course, are all classic hallmarks of a cult um, and of a charismatic cult leader who demands complete and absolute obedience. Wow. But but you mentioned that the founder of the cult, Royal Jenkins, was not named as a defendant in the indictment. Right. Why not? Well, that was the first thing that leapt out to me, Lisa, when I uh, perused the indictment. Where is uh, Jenkins? I mean, he's named in the text, mentioned in the text all over the place, but he's not named as a defendant. So I reached out to the Department of Justice, uh, which is handling this in conjunction with the U.S. Attorney's Office in KCK to find out why he was not named. Now, let me mention to you that when that $8 million judgment that I mentioned earlier was handed down more than three years ago, uh, the judge in that case later issued a bench warrant for Jenkins's arrest for failure to obey court orders and for not showing up in court. As far as I know, Lisa, he was never arrested because he had gone underground and his whereabouts were unknown. So after I reached out to the Justice Department on Wednesday, late Wednesday afternoon, they finally got back to me, uh, issued a release about the indictment that stated that Jenkins was deceased. Now, that was the first I was hearing about it. Um, they provided no details, didn't say when he died, where he died, how he died. I've since uh, gotten back in touch with DOJ to ask them about those 
details, and so far I have not heard back. So mysterious circumstances surrounding surrounding that Continue development. Continue to surround him, yes. And I'm sure once we have more answers there, we'll, we'll hear from you again. I hope. Well, that's KCUR's Dan Margulies. You can read his story on KCUR.org. We'll be back after this message from our sponsors. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. Kansas City Today. I'm Lisa Rodriguez, in for Nomeen Ujiadeen. Daryl Chamberlain has a vision for improving Kansas City's urban core. Not only has his vision led to national acclaim, but it's kept him on the lookout for secondhand instruments for more than 14 years. KCUR's Luke Martin brings us this story. Daryl Chamberlain has so many instruments, he's kind of lost track of how many there are. Golly. We've got instruments that belong to every section of the orchestra, plus some. I probably have about 15 trombones now. Chamberlain is the founder and director of the A-flat Youth Orchestra and Music Studio, and his storage area is packed. There's probably about 15 trumpets, 15 clarinets, uh, alto saxes, I don't know, maybe 10. Chamberlain's ensemble has graced the stages at the Kaufman Center for Performing Arts, Johnson County Community College's Polsky Theater, and more. We're on goal to build an inner city youth orchestra that's going to serve the urban core of Kansas City. That's where he says school bands and orchestras have taken the hardest hit and are only just beginning to bounce back. To fill the gap, Chamberlain, whose day job is in technical writing, gives kids who may not have had a chance at music education the opportunity to get on stage and show their stuff. The music gives you the courage to stand in front of people and say what you have to say, because that's really what you're doing. Chamberlain brings together students from all over the metro, hooks them up with an instrument, and teaches them how to play for about seven bucks a lesson. It's a great value for low-income parents, but the nonprofit depends on donations. And the orchestra plays all kinds of music, from concert band and orchestral numbers to gospel, jazz, and blues standards, and some pop. I think it's important to expose the child to as many diverse styles that you possibly can because that's what the world looks like. That's exactly the sentiment behind much of Black Violin's music. The Florida group was in Kansas City this week, playing the Kaufman Center. The string duo leans heavily on elements of hip-hop, pop, and rock. But we feel like it is important to be exposed to um, the classics because, you know, without that, we wouldn't have been able to take the classics and turn it into something new. That's Kevin Sylvester, stage name Kev Marcus, who leads black violin with Wilner Baptiste. 
Sylvester says as a kid, playing music made him more confident and got him a full-ride scholarship in college. What it did probably more than anything is that it gave me a way to disarm people. I'm a big black guy, you know, I'm like 285, you know, six foot two, big beard, you know. That's why the group works to break stereotypes and pay it forward. They created the Black Violin Foundation and give scholarships to young music students. Sylvester says it's about more than just creating better musicians. It just allowed me to walk around school kind of like, oh, I could do something at a high level. Then in turn, it rubs off on the rest of my studies. So, you know, everything else got better because of it too. At the Jameson Memorial Temple on East Linwood and Benton Boulevard, Chamberlain's students agree. Here's Sudipto and DePonto Bomick, brothers who go to Center Middle School, and Dylan Lorenzo, a 16-year-old student at Northeast High School. Uh, I do better at school because it helps you with math because you have to count everything out. It makes me more smart. It makes me more focused. It teaches you life skills like how to be responsible, how to take care of your instrument, to practice every day. It keeps you busy. And I think that's a good thing. For now, the orchestra is focused on their next show at the Gem Theater as part of December's Kwanzaa Festival. They play on the fifth day of Kwanzaa, dedicated to building community in order to restore its greatness. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Luke Martin. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Lisa Rodriguez. Nomeen Ujiadine will be back Monday. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Gabe Rosenberg. To read Luke's story on the local youth orchestra, visit kcur.org, where you can also listen to a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. If you like what we're doing here at Kansas City Today, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts. On Monday, we'll bring you two stories about music and literature in Kansas City with singer, composer, and harpist Calvin Arsenia and bookstore owner Willa Robinson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>